0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: As our Cowgirls get set to take on the Florida State Seminoles in the World Series, the early season schedule has been released, and a former Cowboy has something cooking in hot oil in Dell City with a legacy on the roster.
0: You are Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Howdy y'all and hello all. Welcome back to Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily stop for all things Cowboy and Cowgirl related. My name is Cody Stovall. I want to thank you kindly for stopping by to make this your first listen. Here on Locked On Oklahoma State, we are available on all of your podcasting platforms, as well as visually on YouTube. You can find me personally on Twitter at all Day o state. And yes, we've got some All-Americans to go over for the Cowgirls. Congratulations to them. We've got a lot of stuff to cover, but the first thing I just wanted to hit on real quick so we can scoot it on out of the way is I'm seeing a lot of people, or at least a decent number of people, talk about how Colorado doesn't really add anything. There's some animosity for them leaving, and there's just, um, I guess, some, I don't know, miscommunication on as to why it is, in fact, definitely beneficial to add Colorado. So I'll try to make it pretty brief here. You Ready? We already know that we are the only conference that has the pro-rata clause that allows for more Power 5 conference teams to come in and us make more money. So this idea that Oklahoma State or anybody else in the current Big 12 is going to have to take less money to let other teams in is is inherently inaccurate. And that's just from one side of the TV deal. That's the ESPN side of things. Fox could or could not add more money as well. So it's instantaneously more money for the conference, which means we're not going to have to divvy up less money, which seems to be a common consensus. Now, if you want to have the debate between Utah and San Diego State, yeah, that that could potentially be worth having because San Diego State is not a a Power Five. So adding San Diego State does not contractually automatically mean we get more money. It would have to be a conversation, right? There would be a meeting had to determine whether adding San Diego State is sufficient enough to making more money, right? It is conducive to adding Power Five teams. We already know that. Number one. Number two is, Marketing, guys, Colorado is a pretty pretty good-sized market. You know what I mean? And whether we like, love it, or hate it, Dion is as big, if not bigger, than the Colorado brand. So even if he's only there for three or four years, which I'm seeing floated around quite a bit, even if that's the case, okay, great. Dion Sanders and Brett Yormark will make a perfect tandem as far as marketing goes for the meantime. I don't care if it's two years, three years, four years, ten years. This is a match made in heaven, and it's good for the conferences. More eyeballs, more marketing, more money. And the biggest thing that seems to be getting glossed over here is future security. If you're a fan of the Big 12, you should know we have been on very, very, very sketchy ground, I don't know, since the beginning of time, right? There's been multiple iterations of the Big 12, which we've covered in a previous episode that I might tag. But... We've always been shaky, and it's always been primarily because of Texas, right? I don't blame Colorado for leaving. At that point in time, it did look like Texas was going to puff its chest out so much that the Big 12 could potentially disintegrate. And a lot of people thought when OU and Texas announced that they were leaving that the Big 12 would, in fact, disintegrate, and it could have, but it didn't. Thanks to the sanctimonious, the pretentious nature in which some other conferences like to operate with, we're still alive and kicking. But we need to continue to be. There is a race. I don't care what anybody says. The college football landscape will continue to change. This idea that there's going to be two mega conferences is not completely out of left field. This is not something that's entirely out of the equation. It is likely to happen. It's just a matter of dollar-dollar bills. ESPN is not hemorrhaging money, but they're not making a bunch of money right now. So they're not willing to just throw willy-nilly cash all over the place. It ain't going to happen. But we have contractually that we raise the value of the conference, which means we raise more money for the conference, which means we get more money from ESPN. When you add Power 5 schools, Colorado is that. Arizona is that. Now, if you want to have the debate between UConn and Gonzaga being thrown in for basketball, okay, I think that's a different scenario here. When you're talking about adding power fives, even if you took away all the marketability, even if Deion Sanders was not the coach, it's still a power five that does what? It makes the Pac-12 shaky. I mean, they're already on quicksand as it is, but we're just all waiting on that next domino to fall. Once that domino does fall, The haves and haves-nots will have a bigger separation. And the question is, do we, as Big 12 fans, do we want to live in a world where we're not part of the Big 3 moving forward? Right? Because it's just, it's a math game. The NCAA, whoever's in charge, SEC, commissioners, presidents, Hades, it is essentially about money. And if you're adding teams that add more money, it's beneficial. If you're adding teams that add more money and it puts a conference that's trying to compete with you for that next spot out of the picture, then it's good for the Big 12. There is, again, there's going to be a landscape shift eventually, right? We know that it's coming. We know mathematically it just doesn't make sense for anybody involved from a financial perspective to only have two conferences. So the idea that there's going to be three power conferences or mega conferences in the next 10 years, I think is not only viable, but I think it's absolutely plausible that it can happen. I would almost say that it's undeniably going to happen. So we, in the Big 12, we need to put ourselves in a position to be that third. Right now we are. Right now we are the third conference, 100%. The ACC is in a very perplexing situation, which will allow us to continue to elevate our statuses at number 3. But we're still competing with the ACC and Pac-12. Even if we're not competing at the same level, nonetheless, it is what it is. The Pac-12 would love nothing more right now than to gain some schools and have the Big 12 be one of the, the, the conferences left out in the cold, as would the ACC. The difference is we're in a position of power. Brett Yormark is a powerful individual that's put us in these positions, I mean, you got to give a little bit of credit to Bob Bowlesme because he did enough to make sure the, the conference was still alive. But adding Colorado, adding Arizona, adding Utah, adding Arizona State, I mean, heck, you could continue to go down the line if you wanted to. UConn is a power five. It adds money. It adds marketing. It adds eyeballs. And it adds the most important thing you can physically possibly get nowadays, and that is security. The SEC has security. They ain't going nowhere. The Big Ten has security. They ain't going nowhere. The Big 12 needs to continue to put itself in a position to be that number three school or number three conference with stability. We have it. But if you continue, look at the Pac-12 now. If the Pac-12 were to put the Big 12 out of their misery a couple years ago and reports were they could have, they could have. Brought Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Kansas State, TCU. They could have brought several teams from the Big 12 to the Pac-12. We did not only listened, but we'd have probably done it. They decided not to. And now they're in this position. We're not going to end up like the Pac-12. We cannot end up like the Pac-12. They should have struck when the iron was hot. They didn't. Now they're in the position they're in, which is the outside looking in, which is matriculating further and further towards being a G5. Some of these conferences might eventually have a conversation about dropping dead weight, not just teams. But, I mean, yeah, we talked about it a little bit yesterday. If you're Washington, if you're Cal, if you're Oregon State, or Washington State, sorry, you know you're about to be left out in the cold. So if you, if the Pac-12 tomorrow could steal Oklahoma State and, and cause a bunch of problems in the Big 12, they would. If the Big Ten didn't have their eyes on stuff bigger than KU, they could pull KU from the Big 12 and cause a bunch of, of problems. So getting teams from other competing conferences puts all that to rest. It, 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 it legitimately kind of puts that argument to bed, and it puts us at the position that we should be at, which is that number three, right? Right. A position that you should be in right now is maybe looking at some of the potential dollar-dollar bills you can make with FanDuel. Guys, the NBA playoffs still has a little bit left, right? And it doesn't really matter who you're going for in the finals or who you think is going to win, not going to win. There's a multitude of things that you can bet on to potentially maximize your wallet. Right now, we're giving our new customers our no-sweat-first bet, which is not new, right? But what is new is we've upped the ante, ladies and gentlemen. $2,500 $2,500 is now the calling. You will get back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. There's literally no better place to be betting. That's why it's America's number one sports book. So do yourself a favor. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today to get your hands on that no sweat first bet. Again, it's not $1,000. It's $2,500 right now. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to get yourself hooked up with this opportunity. With FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of
0: the NBA. The NCAA tournament is almost here. And listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: Okay, so now uh, we can kind of shift a little bit to if you saw recently uh, the early schedule come out. And I had a friend of mine, he may be on Twitter getting attacked right now, but he messaged me immediately and said, Hey, it's very likely or it's somewhat likely we could end up being two and two to start the season. I told him he was absolutely crazy. And, um, you know, if we go two and two, I'd be willing to do something stupid live on this channel. So give me some recommendations. Like, I am a betting man. Um, I would make a bet that there's no way we end up two and two, right? I, I, I don't know what I'd bet. So maybe y'all can help me in the comments down below. What should I, would I put some skin in the game on here? But when you look at this early season schedule, again, I think it's completely preposterous to think that we could potentially go two and two. But I get it to some degree. Let's go over some of these right here. Uh, We'll just go pretty quick. We get to open the season with Kent State at UCF. So our new Big 12 Central Florida Knights get an opportunity at 6 p.m. to kind of kick off their Big 12 season. Should be a W. Missouri State, August 31st, also takes on KU. Should be another W. Um, That'll be uh, the Kent State-UCF game will be on Fox Sports 1, 6 p.m. window. Missouri State-KU is on ESPN+. Um, Saturday, September 2nd, we got Colorado at TCU. It's going to be a fun one. You know, I I do think that TCU should win the game. It's going to take Dion a little bit of time to get everything figured out there as far as his roster is concerned. I know people are freaking out by the amount of transfers he had let go, but I'm not at all because Colorado had a problem inside that locker room, Right. They were very complacent. I think lazy could potentially be a word, and Deion Sanders called it out. He wasn't going to have any of the BS, so I'm not concerned about this number of transfers. Now, will it be reflective of the, the season they have? I think so. They're going to win some games, but they're going to lose quite a bit too just because they don't have a lot of continuity. They may have better talent, but they don't have a lot of time to get it squared away. All right, we jump over Arkansas Arkansas State, OU. to W for the Sooners, Northern Iowa, Iowa State. that's a W for Iowa State. Rice at Texas shouldn't even be much of a ballgame. Eastern Kentucky at Cincinnati should be a dub for our new Big 12 brethren in the Bearcats. UTSA at Houston. FS1, 6 p.m. That should be worth a watch. Right? Houston's still having a quarterback battle. And UTSA, everybody knows what Judge trailers has been able to do recently. Can they continue their momentum? If, if so, guys, this is really early on this season. They're not going to have a lot of depth chart issues this game. So UTSA has a very, very, very good shot at taking this home. Then you have Texas State at Baylor. Uh, Texas State was well, actually not too bad, but you've seen in the transfer portal market, a lot of teams have picked apart their good players. So I don't expect that to be much of a game. Southeast Missouri at Kansas State, go go uh, Wildcats. You'll win that pretty easy. Central Arkansas, Oklahoma State, 6 p.m. ESPN Plus. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it's a W. There's not a lot to say about it. West Virginia at Penn State, NBC, primetime, 630. I'll be watching that. Go Mountaineers. I don't know that you get it done. I doubt that you get it done, but please do help us shock the world there and put the Big 12 in a good standing to start the season. Get that thing done for us. Then you have Texas Tech at Wyoming. It'll be closer to the game than people realize. Texas Tech also is dealing with some some quarterback competition issues or whatever you want to call it. So it'll be fairly close, but Tech should, should win that. Uh, Sam Houston State at BYU, late night, 9-15, Fox Sports 1. Sam Houston's pretty daggone good. They'll give BYU a decent test, but BYU should win the game. Friday, September 8th, Houston at Rice. Okay, we already talked. Um, Rice isn't bad. I get that. They've got some decent transfers. Houston should win this game, undoubtedly. And then you have an interesting one that's either going to be Friday or Saturday, September 8th or September 9th, and that's Illinois at KU. Illinois is not bad. This will be a pretty good test for KU. So I'll be excited to kind of see what network that one's on. Then we got a big one. I love this one. Utah at Baylor. ESPN, 11 a.m. Dear Baylor Bears, please do not lose this game. I don't want to hear Utah fans talk about C. See, see, We're ready for the Big 12. We're 100% ready to go. We just beat Baylor. Don't do it. Don't let it happen. We need you, Baylor. All right, Troy at K-State right after. Well, it's also at 11 a.m. on FS1, so you'll have to channel surf a little bit there. Troy's not bad. K-State should win the game, though, just because of a depth perspective in and of itself. Then you have Southern Utah at BYU. Don't need to get into that. Uh, Cougars should win that one. Iowa-Iowa State. This is always the slugfest, the 10-point slugfest. If Iowa State's going to have a shot at anything in the Big 12 this year, they need to put up points in this game. However they do it, it doesn't matter. But if you win another game 10-11 or or 17-15 or some crap like that, it's not a good look. Iowa is going to be reeling a little bit this season, and Iowa State needs to go out and prove it. They got some get-back to get from last year. They, They didn't live up to expectations, so I expect them to perform well in that one. Right after that, you have SMU at OU. That'll be a better game than people expect, too. But obviously, oh, you should definitely win the game. Right after that, you have Duquesne at West Virginia. Duquesne's pretty doggone good. Duquesne upset some people last year. So, I mean, we'll get closer to this, but we'll see how West Virginia looks in the opening week. I might take Duquesne here. If I'm a betting man, which I am, I might take Duquesne in this one. All right. Then you have Oregon at, at Texas Tech. Reckham Taco, Texas Tech. Please, it's the same thing I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach to you with Baylor and Utah. You got to get this done. You got to get this done. Beat the stupid Ducks that run their mouth all the time, 24-7. They're going to get told that, that Texas Tech is a mid-tier, right, lower to mid-tier Big 12 team, and you're going up against one of the top Pac-12 teams. Please, Texas Tech, hammer them home and do it with their former quarterback and Tyler Shuck. That would be poetic justice. Right after that, you have Texas at Bama. Texas should have won last year. I know they're going to the SEC, so we shouldn't really care, but we do. Texas needs to win that game. Go Longhorns. It's one of the few times in my life where I will actually say that They should have won it last year. They need to win it this year. It looks good for the Big 12. It helps with our RPI, strength schedule, all that for everybody in the conference. right? Then we move on to UCF at Boise State. UCF, I'm going to give you the same plea that I'm giving to Texas, the same plea I'm giving to Baylor. Do not let those Smurf turf mother truckers beat you in a daggone football game. Please don't let it happen. Because then we'll have to hear about, see, Boise State, we're ready. We're on the same level. I don't want to hear that crap because they're not. They have a high school field, they have a high school turf, and they operate like a what? Like a high school, which is why they're bound and determined to end up in the Pac-12. Do not let it happen, UCF. We will be Knights fans that day. Then we have Oklahoma State, Arizona State, late Fox Sports 1, 9.30 kickoff. I'll be up for it. Y'all will be up for it. I don't know if the whole country will be up for it, but this is one of the games that some of my friends think that we could potentially lose. We're going to do a deep dive into Arizona State in the next week or two for sure. I haven't done a lot of film review, so I cannot give you uh, accurate analysis. I don't think we're going to lose the game. I think we control the game to a W just by itself, right? Offensively, I don't see Arizona State being able to match what we can do on the ground. We should win that game by control. Then you have Cincinnati at Pittsburgh. That's always a fun one. It's always a big one. Pitt might be, might be, maybe a new partner of the Big 12 someday. But again, go Bearcats, right? We got to represent here. So all in all, as 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 a conference, we're starting off pretty good, yeah? Uh, And then right after that, you have Iowa State at Ohio. Right, Y'all should beat the Bobcats. Kansas State at Mizzou. That'll be fun. That's on the SEC network for some stupid reason at 11 a.m. But uh, K-State should handle business there. Missouri is not the Mizzou that they were when they were in the Big 12. They're not the Mizzou that they were immediately leaving the Big 12. They're this iteration of Mizzou, which is not very good. Then you have Long Island at Baylor. That's like an Alabama type of game that is ridiculous. I don't know why it's on there, but go Baylor. OU at Tulsa. Um, Tulsa's got a lot of Cowboys, so I will be rooting for the hurricane. This one, damn the conference. I'll be going for Tulsa. Go Tulsa. All right. Villanova, UCF Villanova. Uh, I didn't even know they played football. I'm being slightly sarcastic, but yeah, UCF, you definitely have that one. Miami, Ohio, Cincinnati. That's a dub for the Bearcats, South Alabama, Oklahoma state. My buddy Trent, who y'all know, cause he's been on the show a couple times. He's got a pretty significant bet with somebody out there on the Twitter verse, for this game, there's people betting Oklahoma State fans that South Alabama will, in fact, win this game. Can't wait for that. If you're a betting man, uh, holler at Trent. Maybe he can he can help you get in the game with some of these ridiculous bets. Then you have Tarleton State at Texas Tech. Don't need to get into that. Pitt at West Virginia. That is amazing. So you have Cincinnati going to Pitt, and then you have Pitt coming to West Virginia. The Big 12 has back-to-back opportunities to get some get right on Pittsburgh and to let them know that you're not in a good conference and you need to probably get the heck out of it. Then you have BYU at Arkansas. BYU, come on, man. This is a good opportunity early in the season to, to, to prove your worth, to earn your medal. And Arkansas, I'm just, I like Pittman, right? I like what they're doing. But I'm not completely sold on Arkansas being better than BYU. So, go Cougars. TCU at Houston. That's a fun one. That's so weird that it's that that early, right? It's a Big 12 game, but it's super early on. Um, You know, I'm going to have to go horn Frogs there. I I think Houston, uh, we'll we'll see what Houston has, but we don't even know who's going to play quarterback. Then you have Wyoming at Texas. Again, Wyoming's not bad. It'll be a somewhat close game. Texas should win that. They have KU at Nevada. That'll be cool for us as Oklahoma State fans. We'll get to watch our Big 12 Jayhawks go up against our former backup quarterback, Shane Ellingworth. That'll be pretty cool. That'll be pretty fun. I'll be secretly hoping that Shane Ellingworth puts up like 900 yards and somehow loses. So go Big 12, go KU. But Shane, please have a day, sir. And then, um, yeah, and then you start rolling into Sam Houston, Houston, Cincinnati, BYU. That's going to be a fun one. K-State at Oklahoma State on a Friday. This is the first time we've hosted a Friday ESPN game. It'll be pretty cool. We've played a lot of these on the road. We have something to give KU or K-State and KU, actually, but I will admit, this is probably where I pick our first loss of the season and it being on Friday is not super beneficial to us. So, um, yeah, that'll be a rough one. That's going to be one of my losses on the season, but yeah, that, that pretty much rolls us into, uh, the early, the early, part of the season. Right. And, and the big 12 should make a pretty good account of themselves. I expect them to do so. Time will tell, but we'll see. Um, we've got another subject to, to hop into here. I know this, this has been, um, a smorgasbord of information, but you guys know how we've been covering recruiting lately. And you all know that we also have a running back recruit out of Dell Sydney named Rodney Fields. Rodney Fields is very Elijah Collins, a very, very Jaden Nixon-esque. He can do a lot of things, but I'm actually super excited for Dell City this season as a school because they have uh, a former cowboy who used to play DB at Oklahoma State, Robert Jones. And he has bragged on fields over and over and over, right? He was in the ear of the staff like, guys, you guys are missing out by not offering this kid. We offered him, we landed him, that's great. Now, you're seeing the Dell City's got some other dudes that could potentially be massively beneficial. It doesn't matter about the rankings. We talked about this over the last couple days. This is an odd time in recruiting where the number associated with the kid is not indicative of the talent the kid has. So we already know about um, riding fields. He's going to be a good get. He's going to be a good scat back. Kendall Hunter, Dontrell Savage type of dude, you'd even go justice Hill realm, right? He's going to be that type of guy for us, but somebody else that's on his team. That's also sharing the last name. First name, Ladanian. ladanian fields is a wide receiver. Who's in the 2024 class. Coach Jones raves on this kid. He absolutely raves on this kid. His speed, his athleticism are very unique. He plays both defensive back and wide receiver. And, he could potentially play both of those even up into, up into college, right? Coach is very high on this dude. He did catch almost 500 yards last year. He had six picks. He ran two of them back for tutties. He was part of the 4 by 100-meter relay state title team. He takes care of his grades. He'll be in Stillwater at the, the show camp here in June. And somebody else who we may be familiar with, right, the state of Oklahoma, formerly from Bishop McGinnis High School, River Warren. The dude is a pretty good quarterback. And Bishop McGinnis is not like a a juggernaut of talent. He was able to help lead them to the playoffs this last season. That in and of itself is an accomplishment, right? And now he's transferring in. He's got really good running backs because it's not just Rodney Fields in the backfield. Um, they've got another running back back there that actually is pretty productive as well. That's also getting recruited by Oklahoma state and Aaron Carter is Aaron Carter. What we're looking for. I don't know. To be hundred percent honest with you. I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure, which is why we probably have an extended offer, but we are interested. They've got a good tandem there in the backfield. And now they've got a quarterback that they know can not only get them the ball, but, but the guys on the field are very, very, very excited. Because of this transfer quarterback from Bishop McGinnis, so if Warren can lead them to the type of season that these these guys are, are insinuating that they can get to, we're going to be pretty squared away. We could potentially load up on twenty twenty four class with talent just in the state of Oklahoma. I firmly believe that Dale City will make make waves this season, and we're going to have Warren there at the show camp. We're going to have b- both. You know, LaDainian Fields there and Rodney Fields there. This connection here, it's going to be good for us. It can be good for us, right? And, you know, Rodney Fields is that scab type. And when you factor in LaDainian, he's 6'1", 190, 195 pounds. He's got some game. And then you talk about Warren, right? So you got a six foot four, 195-pound quarterback. Is that not what we look for on a daily basis? He's got small offers from places like Arkansas State and Florida Atlantic. He's holding out for bigger offers because they're probably going to come. Is Oklahoma State going to be one of those? I don't know. Is he designed to be a Division I quarterback all day, every day? We don't know. We're going to f- find out. We're going to find out when he's at the show camp. But another one, you guys know I love my legacies. <laughs> He's got another cowboy on the roster by the name of Ricklin Holmes, the third. And that name should sound familiar if you're a cowboy fan, because his dad played at Oklahoma State, graduated, I believe, 2003, 2002, 2003 range. Um, yeah, I, our legacies to me mean the most. I, I caught a, cl- a clip the other day of Rylan McCorders doing some pretty cool stuff in practice, catching a ball, slipping between some defenders. That just it makes my heart happy. If you're a cowboy fan and you're seeing Rylan McCorders on the field, right? You're seeing Elijah Wright on the field. That is awesome. And to take into consideration that you got Robert Jones coaching Dale City, who's pushing a bunch of these guys to go D1 because they have the talent to do so, who's also got another legacy on the roster and Ricklin Holmes. And another fun fact there is Ricklin Holmes' dad, he just stepped down from Tyler High School job, Tyler lines and obviously Tyler, Texas, which was now re- recently taken by Rashawn Woods, who we, we had on this show. So, Maybe I can track down uh, Rickland Holmes and, and maybe, you know, talk about.
0: The NCAA tournament is almost here. And listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: Some of this stuff with him that would be great, but the full circle stuff you guys know I love it. I love the legacy thing. I, I think it's massively beneficial for the brand of Oklahoma State. It ties the past to the to the current to the future, and it's just it's good for recruiting. It's a good look for us, especially nowadays with the way recruiting is going to end up being with the transfer market and everything else. It is what it is. It's a new day and age. But keep your eye on Dell City and keep your eye on this uh, more than the quartet. Right, you're talking about a handful of dudes that could potentially end up in Stillwater. And we've talked about before, Lincoln Riley opened the door to to in-state recruiting for us, and we have been able to hit some home runs. We need to continue with that this year. You know good and daggone well that that Brent Venables is wanting to capitalize on all of the top guys in the state. Well, we need to try to prevent that. And I think getting in through the door with somebody like Adele City to build another pipeline like we kind of have with Edmund Santa Fe, it does nothing but benefit Oklahoma State University. All right, guys, uh, we're just going to keep cruising through this thing. We're going a little bit late here. All right, so we do have to recognize, obviously, everybody knows that our Cowgirls are about to play Florida State in the World Series for the rights, you know, to potentially end up in the national title game. And our four All-Americans are probably going to help us do that. Rachel Becker, who was an All-American at Purdue— A shortstop transferred to Oklahoma State University to sit behind somebody, which is very unheard of. So the selflessness already speaks volumes for Rachel Becker. We've seen her perform on the field. So this is not a surprise to us that she made the All-American list, nor is it a surprise that Kelly Maxwell made the All-American list. They were both second teamers. I think a lot of people expected Kelly Maxwell to come into the season as a first-team All-American and in the season as a first-team All-American, but she did deal, deal with an injury on her hand that prevented some stuff. She seems to be pretty healthy now, so hopefully we can rock and roll here. And then we also had Lexi Kilfoyle, which is the other pitcher behind Kelly Maxwell. She also made a third-team All-American list as well, right there alongside Kylie Naomi. I think Kylie Naomi getting third-team All-American honors here is a little bit disrespectful, to be 100% realistic with you, Kylie Naomi has been a staple of this team for, a, I don't know, a long time. And statistically, she's had one of the best years of her career, right? And she finally gets the All-American honors that she's deserved for years. But she is currently the Division One NCAA leader in games play. She's also leading the team this year in, in homers with 13. She's recorded double-digit home runs in multiple seasons now at Oklahoma State, right? She currently owns the program record for runs scored, assists and doubles turned. She leads the Big 12 right now in RBIs. She's top 5 in runs scored, hits, doubles and at bats. So by every metric in the Big 12, Kylie Naomi should be higher on this list. At least a second team All-American, but nonetheless Good for her to get that accreditation she's deserved for years now. She should have been higher on this list. It is what it is. You got a bunch of those ladies down in Norman that like to take up a lot of the first-team options. That's okay. It just gives us more opportunity to get right and get back. We have an opportunity here. We got to get past Florida State, but we can. So hopefully we get her did. Go Cowgirls. That's all we got for this one, y'all. As always, I love you. God bless. Go Pokes. Until next time, thank you for tuning in to make this your first listen here on Locked On Oklahoma State. Later. A
0: hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.